0: Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which of course is Marvel Entertainment. My co host the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this week's show on Wednesday, August 11th. This morning, the very first episode of the brand new series, Marvel What If, uh, Marvel Studios' first animated series, just went live on the subscription streaming service. So what do we think, Aaron? I, I was completely backwards on my prediction. I was thinking that what if
1: was going to be all the different ways that they were going to be able to lead us around cinematically into the alternate universes. So that way, when we do get there cinematically, it was like our primer. We already knew where we were at, but it's it's actually the opposite. They're using the cinematic universe as the primer to like speed, tell a story. We got the entire Captain America, the first Avengers story told from a different perspective in like 30 minutes. And it was awesome because all the shorthand was of, here's a here's a scene you remember, obviously, because we ripped it straight from the movie. Ah, but there's a difference, which led to a different scene straight from the movie, but ah, there's a difference, which led to a different scene straight from the movie, but ah, there's a difference. And it kept growing and building and changing and evolving. And it was just a treat. And I want to say, the best animation Marvel has ever done, period, ever. Can you think of anything that's looked slicker than that?
0: Well, you know, the weird thing is I was somewhat surprised to hear there were a a number of the reviews from the trades who are not happy with this look that lands somewhere between 2D and 3D. And it's like, what the hell are you talking about? It looks great yeah, from the get go. I mean, what about that opening where it just sort of like it gets marveled by way of Twilight Zone meets the Outer Limits? The energy, the look. I even love their take on the Watcher where he's there, but he's not there. Right. The that is
1: some old school animation like and mm-hmm. I love when they would do that kind of negative space thing where mm-hmm. you'd get the outline of the character and and two bright supernovas would be the eyes or whatever but you would get like this ethereal sense. I mean, it's it's kind of like when you're trying to describe a god, and it's not the, the man in a beard, right? It's a different mm-hmm. thing. It's a bigger thing. It's more magical and mystical and all encompassing. And what better way to paint that picture with stars? You know, I mean, it, it yeah. has that Killer. that sense of bigger than you can describe. And uh, the voice by, was it Jeffrey Wright? Is amazing. It was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So very happy to have him in the MCU. He's got that knowledgeable, patient. I've been here forever. I know everything kind of voice. Oh, and speaking of voices, the dude who did uh, Stark mm-hmm. ripped his performance from the old-time 50s radio performance. Well, I tell you what, it's a bunch of hijinks. That's
0: what it is. It's a bunch of... Uh, he just had that delivery. Well, it's no. like, I'm talking kind of fast. Now it's stilted. Now I'm going to go again. That was Dominic Cooper. Who, By the way, he's played the young Howard Stark in multiple projects. For Marvel Studios. I mean, it's starting with, of course, the two seasons we got of the Peggy Carter limited series. Mm-hmm. But that, to me, also, is what's kind of fascinating about this show, is that it was interesting to see who actually did come back to do voice work for this. I mean, obviously, Haley Atwell was back as Peggy Carter, mm-hmm. but we even got Stanley Tucci had like a line, didn't he, yeah. as pr- pr- Professor Erskine? Sure. Whereas, okay, I get it. Sebastian Stan is in the building anyway because he's you know he's shooting Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But like I said, the fact that they reached out and brought Dominic Cooper back to do Young Howard Stark, and then the pylon at the end where it's it's Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury, and that's Jeremy Renner for a line as Clint Barton. Uh, Hawkeye. You got to remember,
1: Jim. The the rules had changed during the time of COVID. Disney had mm-hmm. been shut down for a while, so they could go. Hey, mm-hmm. hey Stanley Tucci, uh, here's the keys to the park <laughs> for one line, just one line.
0: gotta do and magic
1: mountain is all yours buddy all
0: yours just do one line right but the fact that they went all the way they reached out to neil mcdonough who played dum-dum dugan in in the original captain america the first avenger again and that came out in theaters in 2011 and the fact that you reach out to that guy and he maybe he's got three lines of dialogue I guess the commitment to, let's get this right. This has got to sound right. This has got to look right. And Ross McQuand, the gentleman who voiced Red Skull for this, he's the same gentleman who replaced Hugo Weaving, Mm -hmm. but came in and played the Red Skull in Infinity Wars and Endgame. Mm -hmm. But again, the one person they didn't get was Chris Evans, which is strange to me because in January of this year, that story bubbled up about how Marvel had reached out to Evans and was asking him to come back and play Captain America and a couple of unnamed projects and and supposedly one of the, the ways they were sort of getting him interested in doing this is they were offering the op- him the opportunity to direct. That was January and Josh Keaton, who voiced the young Steve Rogers, I thought did a great job, but it's just, it's it's kind of weird that they got Basically, the entire band back together, but not Chris Evans?
1: He was jealous. That was the first time he didn't get to hold the shield. He was like, ah, oh, Peggy got it? <laughs> no. I say patooey on that. Oh, that's a bunch of... That's a can of beans is what that is.
0: Okay. Okay. totally <laughs> noted. All right. So we know that, that supposedly the next two that are coming up, we have... Chadwick Boseman's last appearance as Black Panther where only they do the what if if what if T'Challa got recruited to be a member of the Guardians of the Galaxy. And then the next one in the pile is supposedly the infamous zombie episode, which I was told by somebody at Disney that the timing on that is kind of deliberate. Mm-hmm. That's the week that the new season of The Walking Dead begins over at AMC. Oh, it's and counter-programming
1: figured, hey. is what that is, right?
0: There we go. We're just, that's the world's thinking zombies. Let's just be in, in that window of time. All right. Now, Jim, you know how I like to just make up things very whimsically that,
1: that will never, mm-hmm. ever happen, but I think would be cool. Mm-hmm. So we've got, starting off with uh, Peggy, first Avenger mm-hmm. in our right. What If universe. And we're going to have Chadwick be a guardian, mm-hmm. the, the lead guardian, Star-Lord mm-hmm. for, of, of the galaxy there. What if? We end up mirroring other movies along the way that we're very familiar with, and maybe not in season one, that's way too ambitious, but maybe in season two, we have an infinity war with the other Mm. cast members, you know, like it's not captain America, it's Peggy. Who's wielding
0: Mjolnir in that last Mm. battle. Wouldn't that be fun? That would be fun. That would be fun. I have to admit, uh, I would give this a solid B plus A. Just great production values, really good writing, hit all the sweet spots, and just going to be kind of interesting. We've got 10 episodes teed up of this thing for season one. Last one in this initial go-round will air on Wednesday, October 13th, which is just three and a half weeks before Eternals opens in theaters on November 5th. And then just 19 days after that, we get Hawkeye, the next limited series from Disney+, Plus. Then that begins its sixth episode run and actually ends on December 29th. Mm -hmm. And we haven't even talked about Shang-Chi and the the Legend of the Ten Rings yet, which we're three weeks out from. We're going to have a very busy fall with all sorts of Marvel-related goodness added away, which will give Aaron and I lots of news to talk about. And speaking of news... The news portion of Marvelous Disney is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. Okay, did you see the, uh, or, or hear for that matter, the, the interview that Brie Larson did with uh, Sirius XM this past week about the Captain Marvel sequel that's shooting in London?
1: I did not hear about it. What did she say?
0: Well, you know, I mean, it, it's it, again, it's kind of interesting. Your Stanley Tucci joke about "Here are the keys to Disneyland," because that's how she actually talked about the sets that are being being built for the Marvels. That's what Captain Marvel Two is being called. I'm a huge fan of Disneyland, so to me, it feels like I get to go to my own private Disneyland every single day, because they're building all of these insane worlds that nobody knows about, that nobody gets to see. You'll get to see it when the Marvels come out, but for now, it's just mine. I in mean, sets bigger than you can imagine right now. It's really special. My understanding is, in a weird sort of way, we are in kind of a time loop of our own here, because... Because of the Delta variant and Lambda, everybody who comes onto a set these days every day is doing COVID tests, and that includes Bree's two co-stars on this, Tiona Paris, who is reprising her WandaVision role, uh, Monica Rambeau, in this film, and also Imna Valina, who is playing Camilla Khan, a.k.a. Ms. Marvel, who has evidently finished her limited series, for Disney Plus, and that'll be debuting in the late winter spring of 2022 and sort of teeing up The Marvels, which will arrive in theaters in November of 2022. So we have her out here, you know, a Bree doing this, this interview with SiriusXM, and again, that that's November of 2022, but we are four months out from the release of Spider-Man No Way Home, and we have no posters, no trailer, which to kind of stress what's different about that. On August 5th, we got six character posters dropped for Shang-Chi and the Ten Legends. And then just this past Monday, we had the official really for real poster for Shang-Chi and the, the Ten Rings. We, we get to see the title character wielding the Ten Rings, but nothing for Spidey No Way Home. And I basically had confirmed from Sony what the holdup is here. And it's like, there's nothing wrong with the movie. I mean, this is not a situation where the studio is, is worried about how this film is going to be perceived or received. It's all about the fact that how do we not blow all of the secrets of this story? And I guess at this point, they're on their 15th different cut of a trailer, which if they can finally get it cleared, will be in front of Shang-Chi, which again goes into theaters on September 3rd. I've got to see that trailer, by the way, Jim. Have you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. They, they sent me a all copy right.
1: to, to review it for, for the show.
0: <laughs> well, all right. okay. right. We're about to enter spoilers on here, folks. Aaron, tell us about this trailer that they have struggled to create that will protect all of Spider-Man's No Way Home secrets. It all starts off with our opening shot, interior
1: of the cafeteria, MJ sitting at a lunch table. Uh, Peter comes up with his tray, sits across the table from her and says, Hey MJ, how was Spanish class? And she says, It was fine. And then uh, MJ says, How was trigonometry? Pete says, Cool. And that and that was it. That was the whole trailer. And I I couldn't be more excited <laughs> No, I, I don't I don't know anything they've not
0: shown anything to anybody. It is the biggest no, but secret. It just, in the world. I, I will flat out tell you that you you are really not all that far off. All right? right. You know, because evidently literally from the first minute of this movie, they start putting secrets out there, which I can't talk about maybe they should just go like the
1: uh the old batman 1989 route for the poster you remember what the poster was was just a a bat in a yellow circle it was just the symbol and actually that was i think one of the very very first times in the history of cinema posters where it didn't have any words on it it was just a logo and a day and Mm -hmm. that was it but that logo was so very, like, oh, my God, I know that's, that's a Batman logo, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yep. But it looks new and different in a way I've never seen before. And, and it was very exciting. Just do that with the Spider logo.
0: That could be an interesting way to go. I mean, it, uh, to me, I was kind of hoping that Alfred Bellina... <laughs> would once again spill the beans. But it, it turns out Alfred has been kind of busy these past couple of months. Did you see? He's been what, bound and gagged and thrown in a locker for the last several months until the movie comes out. Is that what happened? Well, no. <laughs> actual, well, in a weird sort of way, yes. What Alfred just did this past weekend, in fact, is got married. Oh. Uh, not only married, but he got married to Jennifer Lee, who is the head of Walt Disney Animation Studios. So he's going to be sharing a bed with a honey. Can I talk about this? Oh, God, no. You can't talk about any of this. But yeah, he's he's now officially a member of the Disney family. In fact, what's kind of really a, a sweet bend on the story is the marriage was officiated by Jonathan Groff, who is a Broadway performer, but also probably best known to... Disney fans, he's the, the, the gentleman who voiced Kristoff in the two Frozen movies. But he not only evidently introduced the two of them, the Mr. Molina, to, to Ms. Lee, but when it came time to, we want to get married, would you officiate? And he went out and got his license. So now Jennifer's got him locked up in the closet till December 17th when the Spider-Man Far From Home, or sorry, no way home, finally comes out. You were mentioning, though, there's a toy out now that kind of puts an interesting bend on in the story. Well, I don't
1: think it's for the Spider-Man movie in any way, shape, or form. It was it came out for what if, and mm-hmm. and I had compared it to a different movie that or a different toy for the Spider-Man movie. What I had seen online is from Hot Toys, and and they're a, a maker of some really incredible uh, sixth scale figures that are just immaculate in detail. And so this is Spider-Man wearing the Doctor Strange cloak. And, uh, it looks really, really slick it's $270. But the thing that had caught my attention was the name of it was called zombie hunter Spidey. Hmm. Now this had come out with all of the other, what if line that Hmm. hot toys was pushing at that moment. So my belief is firmly, this is a toy that was modeled on a what if episode that's coming up in the near future has nothing to do with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and it has nothing to do with the upcoming Spider-Man uh, No Way Home. However, Hot Toys also has released uh, an image of their toy for the upcoming movie, and it is uh, Spider-Man in a black and gold suit, and it has some magical bracelets that shoot some magical I don't know if they'd be portals I don't know uh, you know what the magic does necessarily mm-hmm. but it's it's some doctor strange hoodoo that's been placed mm-hmm. on that spider suit so now it's like I know that that this toy exists I mean we've seen like a, I think Lego had confirmed a black and gold suit mm-hmm. we don't know who's wearing it but I still I'm still a doubter <laughs> I'll never, I, I'll never I, believe I, I it. I get
0: that, and and, and and you were allowed to doubt. You know that that I, uh, you know, call me I, Thomas. I'm a doubting Thomas. No, 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 no. You, you were, you or you were allowed. I mean, but, but again, I, you know, just. But I mean, if there's only one toy, I mean, he's he always changes suits. I mean, he the, does. The kid he goes does. through
1: like two or three suits per movie, and Hot mm-hmm. Toys has released two suits, and I'm like, that's mm-hmm. not even enough to film one a one hero movie. So, uh, hogwash on these other actors showing up is what I said. Okay, okay.
0: (laughs) Well, as long as we're talking about actors who are showing up in uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, um, you know, the the weird thing is I would love to see J.K. Simmons' closet at this point because I don't know if you saw And Obviously, he's coming back in this film to J. Jonah Jameson, but did you see the news this past week that it looks like he's putting back on his Commissioner Gordon outfit as well? Right. DC is going to do a Batgirl movie. And they've decided the way they they connect all these things together is J.K. Simmons.
1: That is a hell of a hinge to put everything on, and I applaud it. Good for them. Sure. No,
0: I agree. But I don't know if you've also been following what Mr. Simmons has been cast in, but Aaron Sorkin is making a movie called Being the Ricardos, which is about that sitcom, I Love Lucy. J.K.'s gonna play William Frawley, Fred Mertz in that. Have you have? Did you see that? I
1: have not. Now they've gotta be just put throwing him in a padded suit because J.K. Simmons is just way too jacked to be playing, uh, you know, like packing on pounds and eating nothing but you know Twinkies and ho hos for a couple of months mm. to get up weighted for that that role. So he's got he's got to be going in a suit, right?
0: Well, you know, it's so funny you say that, because there's the famous story about uh, Vivian Vance, who, of course, played Ethel Mertz, and how uh, over the course of the show, you know, it was one of these things where Lucille Ball was movie star skinny and and very glamorous and that sort of thing, and Ethel, as the comic sidekick, that, well, Vivian Vance was basically told that you need to put on 15, 20 pounds. You need to look different than, than Lucy, and she kind of resented that, so... I would imagine actually the, the actress who's playing Vivian Vance is also going to put on like, a suit as well. I'll,
1: I'll dye my hair jet black and wear pants. How's that for different? Is that okay?
0: <laughs> okay, well, um, and, and as long as we're, we're touching on DC-related stuff, did you get to see uh, The Suicide Squad this past weekend? James Gunn's uh, sort of I rethink did, of it. I did, and my God,
1: up. is it ridiculously entertaining. I enjoyed it way too much. And uh, yeah, boy, James Gunn, he has blessed the world with another unique vision because you can't get that from traditional Hollywood. It Mm -hmm. had to come from someone like him. It had to be born in his brain. He had to write it out into some words and then push it on people and Mm -hmm. say the, the bad guy of the movie is a giant starfish. Mm -hmm. And people had to say, okay. And that battle I'm sure didn't happen easily. And I'm sure Earlier in his career wouldn't have been able to have happened at all. And thanks to his Mm -hmm. success at doing weird well, Mm -hmm. they went, Starfish, you say. Please continue. (laughs) (laughs) And so he did. And and we ended up here with this just crazy, crazy movie. And the fun thing was, like, from the first couple of moments when they're picking out the the suicide squad. Uh, I was laying down bets with my wife about this person's out by this time in the clock and by this time, and we were proved wrong on so many different levels. You know, I mean, Hmm. some things happen amazingly quick, and others don't happen the way you expect at all. And who expects to fall in love with Polka Dot Man? Yeah. Right? Oh, my God, that character was was everything. And uh, Sylvester Stallone. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, I am reminded of a line from Tropic Thunder. Uh, you don't go full shark. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not how that line goes. I don't remember exactly how the line goes, but I'm just going to okay. say it's you don't go full shark.
0: And he mm-hmm. went full shark, and that was fun. I'm glad he did. It was, it was fun. It was. But all right. But but here's the thing: uh, amazing cast, killer reviews. You know the sorts of reviews that a summer blockbuster just begs for. Uh, likewise. Wonderful rating, audience ratings over the Rotten Tomatoes, but still underperforms at the box office.
1: Hogwash. Hogwash. Th- that's, I think it's the Delta variant. You know, is, mm-hmm. is it underperforming? Because I think it's the most entertaining movie we've had in a very, very long time. And I just think no people doubt. aren't showing up because there's a sickness about
0: No, no, and you're not wrong. In fact, to watch Warner Brothers try to spend this come Monday, Tuesday, because it was just one of these things where it's like, you look at those reviews, you look at the way people talked about this movie, you look at how many people tuned in to watch it over on HBO Max. And it just came down to the fact that, you know, we're having this resurgence in the country right now among the unvaccinated. And people just weren't confident about going back to the movie theaters, which I have to tell you, kind of terrifies everybody in Hollywood right now because the, the thinking was late May, early June, okay, thank God, it's finally over. We can put this in the rearview mirror and we'll we'll start to rebuild and to have this happen, to have a movie that is this well-reviewed and talked up by literally millions of people. But at the same time, it was, it was interesting to have, there were a number of people who flat out said, well, you know, just five years ago, you released Suicide Squad. And so to put a second film out with the exact same title, only you put a the mm-hmm. in front of it, may have confused a certain segment of the audience. The effect that it didn't, this already come out, didn't it? This is the Will Smith movie, right? I think the people that would have been confused
1: by such a thing were not the target audience to begin with. <laughs> you know what Probably I mean? It's not. like, uh, it, Probably it's, not. if you're going to do the, uh, Suicide Squad, then you do another one. And mm-hmm. a lot of people are going to have that question. Immediately, Mm -hmm. like even those of us who had seen the original movie Mm -hmm. and went, hey, is this a sequel? Is this a reboot? What is going on here? And Mm -hmm. James Gunn pretty much the entire time went, nah, don't even worry about it. It's its own thing. Pretty much. And and washed his hands of having to make any connections. However, within the Mm -hmm. movie, you have like Harley and Boomerang have like an established Mm -hmm. relationship, you know, where she's got a Mm -hmm. nickname for Boomer, you know, and and, Mm -hmm. like uh, Flag. Like she's down mm. with Flag because they've hung out before, and so mm. it's like it still could be canon if you really wanted it to be canon, I guess,
0: but it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be. And no, so no, I, I get that, I get that, but the the amount of spinning that Warner Brothers did this past weekend to, to try to explain, you know, the, the the unfortunate response for James Gunn's The Suicide Squad was nothing compared to what's been going on over at the Mouse House for the past two weeks or so, which we'll get to on the second half of today's show. As Aaron will often point out, you know, the thing is, we typically record on Tuesday, Wednesday, the show doesn't go up on Friday, and God help us if big news breaks, you know, say Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday... And in this case, on the Thursday before our last show went live, the uh, 29th, that was when Scarlett Johansson's legal representatives went into Los Angeles uh, Superior Court and filed a lawsuit against the Walt Disney Company, arguing that her contract with that entertainment giant had been breached when the, the mouse decided that uh, to make Marvel Studios' Black Widow available on Disney+. Plus via that subscription streaming service's premium access option at the exact same time as Black Widow's theatrical debut. A lot of stuff that is normally kept behind very well-locked doors in modern Hollywood was suddenly way out. It was made public, was way out in the open. For example, the contract that Scarlett Johansson originally signed with Marvel Studios are the head of the start of shooting Black Widow back in 2019 guaranteed that this Kate Shortland movie would have an exclusive theatrical release prior to becoming available on pay TV or to be purchased of a Blu-ray. Much of the salary that Scarlett Johansson was supposed to have received for playing Natasha Romanoff in Marvel's Black Widow movie was supposed to have keyed off of how well this Kate Shortland film did at the global box
1: Oh, office. damn. She tried to pull a Tony Stark. <laughs> she
0: did. She did. That,
1: that, Thank she you. She was going to cash in the RDJ rule. I'm sure Robert talked to her. Hey, Scarlett come here. And then, you know. If you're going to do this, you're going out, go out big. Just you know, bet your paycheck that it's going to be a massive hit. Take the take it on the back end, and she's like, "That sounds great." Thanks, Robert. Thumbs up, wink. And then all of a sudden, she's like, "What? Get my son of <phone rings> on speed dial." Robert, <laughs> Robert, answer your phone. <laughs> I,
0: I, I I am so glad you remember that because yes, that is in fact the Robert Downey Jr. deal. You know, the notion was he had been paid up front. And he had the option when it came time to, you know, renewing the contract to do Endgame and Infinity Wars. And the first Spidey with Tobey Maguire, which not far from home, not, no way home, homeschooled. What did we call that one? Uh, homecoming. <laughs> homecoming. There we go. All right. And it was with Tom Holland, so, not Tobey Maguire. Uh, okay. So it's a, again, I got to switch to a better, a stronger grade of coffee in the morning. That's all there is to it. What is especially interesting uh, in this lawsuit is that Scarlett Johansson's representatives go out of their way to stress that she has no beef with Marvel Studios, but rather it has been, and I'm quoting directly now from the, the legal briefing, Disney intentionally induced Marvel's breach of the agreement without justification in order to prevent Miss Johansson from realizing the full benefit of her bargain with Marvel. So... This very embarrassing, very public thing happens, and everybody in the business now, all they can talk about is how Disney responded, and they came back with such venom. They start up by insisting the lawsuit has no merit. More importantly, that the Walt Disney Company felt it was especially sad and distressing. That Scarlett's legal team had decided to pursue this action, which then demonstrated their callous disregard for the horrific and prolonged global effects of the COVID-19 pandemic and the impact it had on the motion picture industry
1: those fighting awards. That's catty. They get the claws out.
0: Well, no, see, that's that's it exactly. You know, it's just sort of like, and so the PR team think, figures we'll go big, we'll go strong, we'll snuff out this crisis, and they go on to say that the mouse is fully complied with Ms. Johansson's contract, and further, the release of Black Widow on Disney+, Plus uh, with premium access, has significantly enhanced her ability to add additional compensation on top of the $20 million that Ms. Johansson has received today. So they literally, you know, oh, by the way, and we pay our Paid her this much.
1: They should have stated that they were they were going to honor the deal by giving her whatever that cut was, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, theatrically off of the Disney Plus pile. Like if if you get ten percent of this, then you should also get ten percent of that because it's the same should be the same thing
0: technically, quote unquote. Uh, Warner Brothers moved the bulk of the 2021 schedule over to HBO Max, and they initially had the same noise from everybody who had back-end deals. These were people of a level of a Will Smith and that sort of thing. And what, what Warner Brothers did was fascinating. They met individually with each of the filmmakers and said, look, I'm sorry, it's, you know, we got a pandemic going on. This is how we're going to handle it this year. But we will honor our part of the deal. We will pay you what you would have gotten had this been released theatrically. And so they they Warner Brothers snuffed this whole thing out in like two and three weeks. And, you know, that there had been, you know, some stuff bubbling up in the press. And then it was gone. Whereas Black Widow was originally supposed to be out in theaters in May of last year. And throughout this entire time, Disney and Scarlett Johansson's reps and and also Kevin Feige, the head of Marvel Studios, have been talking behind the scenes about this whole situation. And this is the other thing that, frankly, I know at this point from talking with folks at Disney that Disney is not happy got out. But there's a former Hollywood Reporter editor, Matt Bologna, who has his What I'm Hearing newsletter. And what he revealed just this past week was that Kevin Feige had been arguing behind the scenes for months that Black Widow should not be simultaneously released to theaters and then be made available on Disney+. Plus. But because Kevin is a company guy, I mean, he wants to be thought of as a team player. Uh, more to the point, Kevin has a brand new boss now. Bob Chapek, you know, remember, Bob Iger basically, you know. Wait a minute. Hold on, hold on, lo- wait, wait,
1: wait. The halo doesn't yep. transfer? <laughs> it
0: does not. No, does he's got to
1: earn a new halo from a different guy? Yep. That's yeah. a deal on those halos, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. But it's just one of these things where Bob Chapek has been, in theory, the head of the Walt Disney Company. Since February of last year, that was when Bob Iger was looking at the reports about what was happening with the pandemic at Disneyland Paris and Shanghai and Hong Kong and and sort of immediately pivoted and it's like, Mr. Chapek, here are the keys. You know, uh, I won't, by the way, be leaving the building till December of next year. I'll be a creative consultant, forcing you to second guess every one of your decisions. But hey, it's your show to run now. Evidently, that has not gone well with Bob Chapek. He's been wanting to show in some demonstrable way that he's, in fact, the head of Walt Disney, the the Disney company, rather than Bob Iger. And evidently, the Scarlett Johansson thing was the hill he picked to die on. Couldn't he just buy a fast car? (laughs) Well, no, no, that's it exactly. You know, if you're going to have a midlife crisis, get something that at least has that new car smell. This, if you think about it, how Disney's business model has changed just over basically the last two years with the debut of Disney Plus and the success of things like Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Loki and WandaVision and just the notion of, okay, so we don't have to have these giant Robert Downey Jr. deals we should be transitioning to this new world. And, you know, the weird part of it is, there's a lot of people in Hollywood who agree in principle with what Bob Chapek decided to do, that the world had changed, and Scarlett Johansson, I know, had been promised, you know, Robert Downey Jr. money, but this movie didn't go out really into theaters the way it should have, and that's nobody's fault because there was a pandemic.
1: So she gets to eat the financial consequences of their actions. Got it. (laughs) Yeah, That's exactly not the thing that they should have done. I mean... Obviously, the game plan changed, but the ink in the deal did not change on the paper, right? It
0: didn't. But but If you want to
1: change the rules, then you write a Mm -hmm. new contract for the next sucker in line that wants to sign up for the game, but you can't change it on the person who's already signed that deal. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. You you got something to No, 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 no,
0: no, no, you you see exactly what's going on here, which would... Now let me introduce you to the other pieces that have just come on the chessboard. Okay. Let's talk to Emma Stone, who is the star of Disney's Cruella, which came out earlier this year and faced down kind of the same exact situation that Black Widow did, that, you know, that they were looking to release it during a pandemic. And so they they made the split decision of some theatrical, but mostly Disney Plus, and then just this past week, we have Emily Blunt and Dwayne Johnson in The Jungle Cruise, which did the exact same thing, you know, they made itself available in theaters, plus uh, if you're willing to pay that $29.99 fee, you could get via premium access on Disney+. Plus. What's supposedly now terrifying Bob Chapek is that if the story is true, Scarlett Johansson's legal representatives have reached out to both Emma Stone and Emily Blunt. Because they signed basically the same exact contract. You know, the notion that we'll pay you this much up front, but in turn, when this film gets its exclusive theatrical release on a global basis, you will get a certain percentage of, you know, the, the, the box office receipts.
1: You know, if they want to really put the fear of God into Bob Chapek, they should have called The Rock. <laughs> uh, can you smell something? I believe someone started cooking. Oh, who's, who's <laughs> cooking? Is that the rock that's cooking? I smell what he's cooking. He's about to open a can of whoop on your candy, right? And then let him come in and just do some some fancy trash talk like he was back in the ring. And Bob Chapek starts spitting out coins like he was a slot machine that just hit payday.
0: Well, now, speaking of, of paydays, you have to understand with all three of these women, Disney had already started setting up their next films with them at the studio. I mean, for example, Emma Stone, based on how well Cruella was received, they're already teeing up a a Cruella Cruella sequel. Mm. The Jungle Cruise, they have been talking all the way up to the release of the film about how they hope this is the next Pirates of the Caribbean, the next franchise for the studio. And to add insult to injury a week before this lawsuit gets filed... It's announced that Scarlett Johansson will not only produce but also be starring in a movie version of Tower of Terror for Walt Disney Pictures. So again, Bob Trebek has picked a fight with three women who had already agreed to do business with Disney further on down the line. So not only was it a stupid fight, which as you pointed out, it's like you signed a contract. You have to honor the contract. But to do this with people who had already agreed to do future work for your studio?
1: Yeah, now it puts all that future work in jeopardy in some way because if they pull out, then you got to find new people. And if sometimes if one person drops out over like moral obligations, some people will side with them and go, yeah, I'm out too. And then you've got to mm-hmm. replace more people, and then it, sometimes the whole house mm. of cards comes falling down and you just go, ah, we didn't like that game anyway. That was a bunch mm. of fooey."
0: And this is the thing. Bob Chapek really doesn't take over as head of the Walt Disney Company till Bob Iger is out the door in December. And just what's been interesting is to watch in the trades the effect of various ideas floated that maybe, you know, Bob Chapek's a guy who, you know, came out of consumer products and really hasn't dealt with talent before, or or at least at this level. And so, is he really should be the guy who's in charge of the Walt Disney Company? Maybe we need somebody who's, who has a little more experience with this sort of thing. And so, it's there's already this talk about maybe the board of directors at Disney will have second thoughts about this. And certain, you know, what's been especially interesting is to watch how Chapek has pivoted, reportedly, and is really now trying to make nice with Kevin Feige because again remember Feige was the guy who fought the idea of Black Widow being released on Disney Plus because he felt that you know it potentially could damage the launch of phase 4 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and so circling back to what we were talking about earlier in the show about the six different character posters and then the real poster that that came out for Shang-Chi and uh, The Legend of the 10 Rings and supposedly the way that Bob Chapek is trying to make this up to to Kevin Feige is throwing a lot more money at the promotion of Legend of the 10 Rings and you know with, with and because this one really has to work you know it's Marvel's first Asian superhero so there's a lot riding on this movie mm-hmm. And if we circle back to us talking about the Suicide Squad and how you had this amazingly well-reviewed movie and you know the the with a great tomato rating and and yet you know it still did disappointing box office because of the Delta variant.
1: Yeah, so wasn't uh, Shang Chi was supposed to be specifically, very, very specifically theater
0: only? Yes, in fact, the, the, the poster actually says, uh, you know, it has language to that effect. Hang on, let me read the exact line. Uh, yes, experience Marvel Studios Shang-Chi and the Ten- Legend of the Ten Rings in theaters September 3rd. No bones about this. This was a theatrical experience.
1: How? well, hold on. Hold on. Let's check the date here. It's uh, currently, all right, Wednesday, August 11th. How many days mm-hmm. before they change it? Go.
0: <sighs> oh, it's going
1: to Disney Plus in in three, two, one. Give me a date.
0: Oh, I don't even want to think about this. <laughs> I, you know, just because picture you're Bob Chapek, you're sitting at your big desk, and you've had a bad couple of weeks. You now have to make that call. You know that that you are looking at what's going on in co- with COVID. You were looking what just happened to su- the Suicide Squad, and you have already committed all of this money to promoting this film. But what happens if, on the heels of Black Widow doing disappointing box office, and again that's strictly ticket sales. That's a, Nobody's talking about the movie, and Hollywood the perception is reality. Your, your box office equals whether your 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 product is good or not. And already, evidently, there was an issue with Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings in that the cut that just got delivered to Disney after finishing all the effects works and the scoring, it's two hours and 15 minutes long, which exhibitors around the country were like, oh, come on. When a movie is two hours and 15 minutes long, that means if you know if you run it, well, we've talked about yeah, this. Yeah, you get one less viewing per day or or That's such. it, exactly, yeah, which so. cuts it into your ticket sales. Right. So already they had one hand tied behind their back with this film, and now it's like they're going to launch it in the middle of a... a covid resurgence and it's like well does that are we we damaging potentially the entire phase four of the marvel cinematic universe or you know one might argue in this world where well we spent the first 10 minutes of the show talking about how much we enjoyed what if Mm -hmm. It, does it really even matter at this point if you're a Marvel Studios? Like, okay, that film didn't do the, the business that we, we thought, didn't sell as many tickets, but ooh, look at how many people tuned in for the premiere of What If.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm fine staying at home and, and getting all of my entertainment streamed through my screen because it's the way it's been for the last, you know, well over a year now. So. Mm-hmm. It will continue and and then when you see that the there's the variants uh, Delta and the variants coming to uh, the Phoenix <laughs> Amphitheater. <And> drones. <laughs> it's <amazing. In> <laughs> oh drones! Amazing idi sickness.
0: <laughs> uh, all right. All right. Well, we're just going to have to see if, it, as Aaron suggests, you know, whether or not Shang-Chi is in fact going to make it to be released to theaters and, and what happens if it does.
1: Well, I was for certain that when, when Shang-Chi came out in theaters, that's where we were going to get our Spider-Man trailer because everyone's still making a big brouhaha about no, no Spidey trailer. And I really believe that internally, yeah, they you know they don't want to give away any secrets, and they may have cut a bazillion different versions of a trailer and whatever. Uh, it still may overshadow Shang Chi, and it is uh-huh. a very le- like the least known character for me. I have never mm-hmm. heard of Shang Chi before I found out there is a movie coming out about the guy. So now I'm playing catch up with you know many other people about. Who is Shang-Chi and what's that all about? So mm-hmm. I I do kind of have this feeling a, a little bit that mm-hmm. Marvel's just not putting out Spider-Man right now because they really don't want any excitement stolen away from whatever Shang-Chi may already have going for it right now by showing the Spider-Man trailer and everyone goes squirrel and looks left. And then they miss the, the release date of Shang-Chi because Spider-Man came out and... Oh, that looks... If I'm only going to see one movie this year, it's going to be that one, not that one. <laughs>
0: Okay. I, I, I do want to point out that given how consistent our luck has been, what do you want to bet that this time tomorrow the Spider-Man? Oh, the no trailer way will trailer come out, out. Yeah,
1: and I'll, I'll, I'll be up. eating I'm, crow for the next week again. As,
0: uh, oh, trust me, Aaron. I would have to make room in the fridge right now for more crow. Right. Okay. Again, yeah. you know, just sort of like, you know, I've got the crow casserole next to the crow kakratz. And, you know, that the, ooh, and the thinly sliced crow and a nice piece of rye bread. Ooh, very
1: tasty. Yeah, well, see, we, we keep them live out on the tree because i just like them fresh and that's just my personal <laughs> taste you know so okay. if you make your meals and freeze them like you're some doordash green hub you know crow service mm. that's cool I, mm. I appreciate that but yeah i keep my okay. tree.
0: <laughs> okay <laughs> well on that note folks we have come to the end of yet another marvelous disney Until we get our next show out there, you can always keep track of us on on social media. Uh, Aaron, uh, where can folks find you uh, to that effect? You
1: can find me on Twitter at AzaProd where I'm going to be sharing a nice, uh, maybe a marble rye bread recipe that would just be fantastic to pair with some crow. (laughs) I don't know if it's going to be a marbled rye. I haven't decided yet, Jim, but I'm going to find a bread recipe that will be fantastic for crow. And then I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm gonna tweet that out, and for people in the know, they'll know why that recipe exists on my Twitter timeline. Enjoy, bon appétit,
0: I, I'm I'm just looking for practical advice about removing all of the feathers, but 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 we'll get to that. Oh, uh, Nancy would like me to remind you, by the way, that you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Jim Hill Media, and over on Facebook at Jim Hill Media News. Also, folks, if you could do Aaron and I a favor, if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and recommend. Uh, marvelous Disney, it would be very helpful, and if you really, really, really want to help out here, because again, you you can't just cook crow. You need condiments. You need you know the the proper the Teflon plates. But if you go over to Bandcamp and subscribe, that will keep Aaron and I in cooking implements. Thanks again for listening, folks, and we'll be back soon.